0: Hello, world singers. My name is Brooke. And I'm Tyler. And this is Cosmere Cosmere Conversations. Conversations. It is a great time to be a Cosmere fan, friends.
1: This week has been bigger than any other week. Oh,
0: Basically the best thing that's ever happened to the Cosmere fandom. <laughs> it
1: started with a lot of fear, I'm gonna be honest. Oh
0: my gosh. We need
1: to introduce before we just start running, yes, this is Cosmere Conversations. Yes, there's hashtag all spoilers all the time. And whenever you happen to be here, you are listening to our instant reaction to some of the biggest Sandersonian news we've had in a good long while.
0: Not instant reaction, but Recent reaction, for sure.
1: You can place us in time based on when did Brandon Sanderson fool his fandom and the break the internet. most epic
0: Rickroll ever.
1: I'm surprised that the links didn't just go to the Rickroll video. <laughs> never gonna give you up. That actually would have been down. really funny. It would have been hilarious. And he could have like cut in his own explanation of what happened. So <gasps> let's not bury the lead any longer what is going on in the Cosmere this week's
0: well in case you listener have been living under a rock or something for the last week Brandon Sanderson began by stating that he had some big news to tell us that he had been putting off for a while in an affect that was very serious
1: he was incredibly serious his YouTube post the YouTube image for the video was just him kind of staring intently at the camera with a somber face (laughs) he looked like he was announcing that he was quitting writing or something literally
0: all day on monday we were just like what's happening is he gonna take a break from writing maybe he's gonna finish stormlight archive and then like not write anything for a couple of years maybe he's gonna stop talking to his fans yeah we were all
1: big speculation on that maybe
0: he's gonna exert copyright power and we're not going to be able to have this podcast anymore.
1: It's like he is going to, he needs to finally start cracking the whip a little bit on copyright. You can't have people running around with Cosmere in the title.
0: spiraling for the entire day. I'm pretty sure like before we went to bed we were still like, man, what do you think Brandon's announcement is going to be?
1: Just like it was, I hope (gasps) it's not something really bad. Yeah. Like it would have been totally understandable for a lot of things to be announced and mainly everyone was just hoping that it wasn't something bad and Brandon had to come back on to yeah. the interwebs after his first announcement and be like everything is fine I've made some decisions that have allowed me to be in a good place <laughs> so thank you for your concern but everything is a-okay and this man is
0: just he's April fools us before oh my April. gosh yeah well and people mentioned that on the internet too they were like it's not April 1st, so like I don't know what's going on. It can't
1: possibly be a joke. <laughs> it was a joke. The man was fooling us. All the rug has been yanked from Someone under us. Someone
0: give him his Oscar.
1: He deserves it. Yeah. I mean, at least an Emmy. Like we would you just give the man I some awards. I was so
0: anxious, and then that was immediately replaced by incredible joy because we are going to be getting four new books. He's written five.
1: That was the secret. That was what he needed to do for himself. The little bit of self-care that Brandon needed to do was to write five books in betwixt all of the other book writing that he has done over the last two years.
0: He's like, look, we all responded to the pandemic in our own way. And I responded characteristically.
1: He wrote (laughs) more. That is true. And so when we were looking at a long drought with some sporadic cosmere updates a couple of non cosmere but sanderson updates now there is There's just going to a be great year of sanderson a to look real forward to. life
0: sanders avalanche
1: <laughs> it's happening the sanders avalanche is coming in 2023 we have to get through we do still have to get through this year so no bad stuff no more bad stuff in 2022 we need to make it to 2023 because brandon will be releasing four books three of them which are in the cosmere and again if you did not hear because he was making news literally in the new york times and like the washington post yeah like
0: really big news outlets were like fantasy author raises tons of money i like like, how he's oh
1: that's me we we, that's me Like a fan, a true fandom. It, when there is any success, it is our <laughs> success. When exactly. the football team wins, everybody wins.
0: So weird to have our little corner of the internet like suddenly thrust into the spotlight where I felt like I could actually explain our podcast to people and just be like oh you know that author who's like been making headlines all week that's me i podcast
1: about him that's us we spend all of our money on him (laughs) we are (laughs) part of the nearly 20 million dollars i think it's over 20 million obviously it's going up all the time but he set out with the hope in three weeks to raise one million dollars he hit that in like 25 minutes and then he just continued to roll on hour after hour day after day within three days he had broken all the kickstarter records and now sits comfortably in the lead of number one kickstarter of all time for this kind of release strategy that is unique and i want to at least mention its uniqueness Mm -hmm the way that brandon is planning on doing this release is kind of a subscription box formula everybody is obviously very familiar with your bark boxes oh and your gosh. hello freshes all those ads you hear on other podcasts and not on this one thank you very much you can find us on patreon is done because of the Enjoyment that we know people have when it's just like, set it and forget it. And for 2023, you can get these books coming quarterly in any format that you so desire, be it Kindle or ebook, audiobook, or a very special... Almost leather bound esque hardcover. Yeah,
0: just a fancy hardcover. I really like that he has so many options for how to get these books and the option to like get all of them if you want or like different types of bundles. And I was watching uh, his live stream after the announcement and he said his philosophy is basically that if you've paid for the book, like those words are now yours. You should be able to read them consume them in whatever way you want for the rest of your life. And I just found that really
1: awesome. It's definitely got old school internet vibes. I am certainly of an era where the pirate's life is me. And uh, I strongly believe in the words that Brandon Sanderson is throwing out.
0: Yeah. And just like we all know what it's like to form such significant relationships with books and uh, to be able to own them and have them and keep that relationship yeah. with the, the book, the words, the story is so vital and important and special and is something that he's fostering. Anyway, there's our gush about the news of the week.
1: We will be strongly looking forward and absolutely covering all of the different releases. Well, at least the three that are Cosmere specific, we will definitely be talking about in a great amount of detail.
0: Brandon is also releasing initial chapters of these books over the next couple of weeks. In typical Cosmere Conversations fashion, we will not be reading or consuming the released chapters. We prefer to go into the stories pretty cold with just knowing maybe like title and rough uh, outline of kind of what the book is about, just like we would for any other Sanderson book. So that's our game plan. Don't expect any uh, spoilers for those types of books on the podcast.
1: Yeah. This in in the movie world, there are individuals who like to review all of the different trailers from the teaser trailer of 60 seconds all the way up through the ones that are like four minute long trailers and basically do the entire plot we go into the movie cold and we go into the sandersonian i mean i like series. a
0: good i like a good teaser trailer of yeah, like, the first one you know give me a taste like let me know kind of what's up but like yeah i hate it when you get the entire plot in a trailer and then you're like well why do i need to watch this now
1: and so we don't even entertain that philosophy. We don't even go down that road, even with the big releases, and certainly not with these one-off stories. But I am really excited to know if these books become the foundation for series or worlds that Brandon is going to return to. Are they one-offs done for complete, like, fun? Yeah, my impression
0: and- is that they're one-offs, Um And what he said is that they are stories that he probably wouldn't have gotten to write in the Mm -hmm. Cosmere otherwise. So I get the impression they're not going to be spiraling into anything bigger, but they are going to add to the Cosmere in a way that we may not have gotten otherwise.
1: Love it. Can't believe it. We are more excited for this next year now. Yeah. Knowing this. it's Hurry up. Let's get through 2022. While we're in 2022, while we're in the right now, we want to go over probably some of the more important characters in the Cosmere that sometimes get left behind because they are easily forgotten, we'll say. And I am, of course, talking about the five scholars from Warbreaker.
0: This is a listener-requested episode, and I am so glad that someone requested it because we really have not talked about the five scholars at all on the podcast, even though we've done a couple of like Warbreaker episodes, Nalthus episodes, we talk about...
1: I talk about all the time. all the
0: time. <laughs> so this was kind of cool to really dive into the five scholars. And it's one of those situations where we dove in and then we're like,
1: huh. It's really deep here. There are
0: a lot of questions in this uh, section of the pool. So we are coming away with probably more questions than we started with, but that's half the fun.
1: Exactly. That is half the fun. And we're just going to go through the five scholars and try to pick out some of the interesting aspects about them and the connections that exist between them, each other, and our other and wider Cosmere characters.
0: We're going to start at the beginning of the alphabet with our steel. Our steel we just uh, hear about in Warbreaker, and he is known to be the best swordsman of the scholars.
1: As one of the original five scholars, he definitely had a role in the mini-war and the events of Halandrin and Idrian history. But when we meet up with him, well, when we meet up with the story of Warbreaker... Arsteel had joined Dent's crew to try to facilitate a reconciliation after the terrible Indian events of the mini-war and the division that existed between Dent and Vasher. Many years pass, uh, many centuries pass, and then there is Dent and Arsteel coming together, Arsteel trying to bring him back, you know, like an old friend, trying to bring the group back back together get the band like a ringo star i imagine just like come on guys we can we can all play the drums it'll be fun
0: unfortunately his peacemaking is unsuccessful
1: quite the opposite actually. And there's like more violence maybe
0: <laughs> yeah basher ends up killing R steel who is then turned into the character that we do meet claude the lifeless
1: so we know R steel as claude and that's like who we see him throughout the story of Warbreaker and we slowly get pieces of information just like we are getting pieces of information that Dent's crew is not actually good guys and pieces of the story that Vasher is one of the five Mm -hmm. scholars like all of these little tidbits that are dropped in Warbreaker include the fact that Claude has more going on than meets the eye.
0: Yes as Claude he is more self-aware than most other lifeless because of the great amount of breaths that Vasher gave him right before killing him. This is so the he's kind mystery. Of a, yeah, special circumstance.
1: Yeah, so this is the mystery that Denth is trying to unravel yeah. throughout Yeah, how did Warbreaker. you kill him?
0: He's the best swordsman.
1: And it's a fair question because seemingly, from what we know, Denth and Arsteel are... Of equal ability and skill when it comes to sword fighting. And then Vasher is a clear step beneath them. Like, no disrespect to Vasher, he's very talented, very old, but just not on the same plane. Well, level. I think,
0: yeah, that always depends on what you mean when you say best swordsman, you know, or like best fighter, I guess, maybe is a more accurate thing because Vasher always wins because he is willing to play a little dirty and yeah, like more creative. actually fight to yes. win. <laughs> so the Whereas, difference like,
1: between a duelist and a warrior, kind of. Kind where of, yeah. Arsteel seems to have been like clearly a fantastic duelist, but mm. Vasher is the person who is a warrior and who is going to survive any conflict.
0: Yeah, like they might have more skill with a sword but if you're just talking about who wins a battle like vasher will do whatever he he needs to to win and he has and he continues to
1: but that is the mystery that is unveiled near the end where dent then dies in the same fashion where vasher dumps a bunch of breath into the individual he is fighting causing that moment of ecstasy mixed with like an inability to focus they lose their concentration. That's when Vasher strikes, killing both Arsteel and Denth. But what we learn about Arsteel is that that dumping of a tremendous amount of breath and investiture right before his death creates what I think is a cognitive shadow. And this oh. is my speculation hmm. that I want to you introduce. You think he's a
0: cognitive shadow inside a dead body?
1: Correct Amundo absolutely so i don't
0: know if that i guess is that the the same thing as like what we think Kelsier is now
1: i believe this Hmm. is the hidden mystery in front of us all when it comes to warbreaker i think that our steel is at the crux of what is going on not just with Kelsier, but also with the heralds on rashar and a little bit of the mystery that we started to get with the end of Rhythm of War and Kalek and his desire to escape Rishar, escape the bonds of the Oath Pact, I feel like what we know about Arsteel is that a bunch of breath was dumped into him. In a similar way, Kelsier, as you mentioned, had a bunch of investiture Mm -hmm. in the moment of Mm -hmm. his death. And what we then saw from Kelsier in Mistborn Secret History is that that creates a cognitive shadow that is able to resist moving on into the beyond.
0: I wonder if there is a difference, though, because Kelsier is doing so voluntarily. And it seems like Arsteel, the investiture would give him the ability to linger for Mm, longer in the cognitive realm. However, if he then... If his body was then given a command that turns him into a lifeless, you know, someone alive on Nalthus is doing that. It's like not necessarily his choice. So I'm imagining that his cognitive shadow would then kind of get like pulled back into somewhat the physical realm. And maybe that is why he is, or Claude is less um, intelligent, less you know, doesn't have as much agency as we see Kelsier have during Secret History.
1: That's a good question, because it's bothered me, like, what's the difference between these different cognitive shadows? Why, seemingly, is Kelsier doing okay with his return in Mistborn Era 2?
0: Yeah, because I think we have to remember that there is an element of self-perception to all of this. The most clear examples of which we get in The Emperor's Soul, the idea that things and people and the way that they see themselves have an actual effect on what happens. And so if steel conceives of himself as dead, you know, that you would think, would affect the way that he shows up versus Kelsier, who after he dies, you know, the whole time is just like, I'm not dead. I'm not dead. I'm not dead. I'm still alive. I'm still going to keep doing things. And so his conception of himself maybe gives him more power to continue to act and have agency.
1: Definitely. We believe that the intent and a person's connection Are significant reasons for the type of cognitive shadow or the way your cognitive shadow continues on. But I do think that this is the maybe where a Warbreaker sequel could go because I think there's a similarity in the creation of sentient objects like Nightblood, which we believe will be the name of the sequel to Warbreaker, and the known creation of another sentient object which is now in the hands of the or azure mm. and i'm curious if R steel and yes steel have more to add to this story and when i say R steel i mean claude in this version yeah but like i'm wondering what is it that separates a lifeless from something like a kelsey or Thytokar, and what's the difference From those two to something like a herald, where it seems like the basic concept of a dead soul is then put back into a body is the same across the board. Mm -hmm. But then they have very different manifestations. Mm -hmm. Claude is better than other lifeless. We think that's because he had a bunch of investiture. Right. And that makes sense. Is the only other difference between Kelsier just more investiture, and then the only difference between a Herald more investiture than that? Mm, that seems simple. It seems
0: like Kelsier would actually have had less investiture when because he died. He
1: was only—he is just misting. a regular,
0: yeah, misborn who was using his power versus a returned being who also was given a bunch of extra investiture right before dying.
1: And I think that the way that. Nalthinian investiture manifests itself in the endowment breath that one breath that everyone gets is also probably really significant when it comes to the geographic lock or unlock ability of different investitures seemingly
0: maybe but then like as we'll start to get into pretty much all of the five scholars world hopped
1: that's what i'm saying i think that the breaths for some reason are easier to lock and unlock or maybe the returned breath, that one, you know, fifth heightening breath. But
0: I would think it would be the other way that like a regular Nalthian with one breath maybe has an easier time of moving around because it's a small piece of investiture and it's, you know, given innately. And then the returned would have a harder time because it's like, more breath and it's so specially given directly from endowment that it would have more sticking power
1: i understand that thought process and it makes logical sense but seemingly the evidence would point us in a different direction that returned have jumped and world hopped quite a bit well and
0: and we don't even know here's the thing these five scholars are very weird in a lot of ways. More and so, than just the basic ways. Yeah. So I don't think we can say that like returned have been traveling because I think this particular group of returned is an outlier. I don't think we can apply what they do to like returned in general.
1: I agree. It probably should not apply to returned in general. But I at least want to introduce the concept that that fifth heightening breath, the returned breath perhaps allows for a degree of control over identity and connection that a normal Nalthinian person simply wouldn't have with their one breath. That basically the fifth heightening breath unlocks an ability to change the identity and connection. Hmm. And that is what then allows them to more easily get off planet.
0: Yeah, I buy that just because they have the ability to change their shape, which is also influenced by, again, their perception of themselves or their capital I identity. If they can, in some way, like truly and deeply convince themselves that they are not Nalthian, then I guess they could travel. That seems... They got to be doing like a lot of meditation for that or something. I don't know, man. That seems like... A really difficult task,
1: and these five scholars did seem to accomplish a series of more and more difficult tasks, and are continuing to accomplish them. Uh, I mean, yeah, yes, I steel. have
0: so many questions. I have so many questions. Let's just finish talking about who they are.
1: Our <laughs> steel is, of course, our steel slash Claude is cared for by Jules, the other member of the gang that we see early on. What is interesting to note is that Jules actually joined the crew pursuing romantically or yeah she really with of, yeah and she was pursuing R. Steel, and when he died she you know formed this bond with Claude the lifeless where you know she's basically taking care of the thing that she seemingly kind of thinks is still R. Steel. yeah at the end of Warbreaker, she goes in search of Yes Steel, hoping that some of the significant differences in Claude slash R Steel can be further heightened, and maybe we can bring him back to a more uh, more of his personality.
0: Yeah, per the annotations, that is what Jules Jules's next step is. She's taking him to Yestiel, sort of hoping that the familiarity of seeing his brother will bring back more of his personality since we see sort of glimmers of it in
1: Warbreaker. So do you think this is a good time to talk about (laughs) Yestiel?
0: Yes. Our first set of siblings in The Five Scholars Yes, Steel is the brother of R. Steele. He is also the discoverer of Icor alcohol, which is the sort of blood-ish solution for a lifeless uh, that allows the lifeless to be active for longer without requiring additional breaths. And it also makes uh, awakening a lifeless much cheaper in terms of breath requirements.
1: This Icor alcohol is, of course, widespread among awakeners and highly valuable for the benefits that it provides it's also the basis of heladrin superiority when it comes to their military and their ability to uh use those yeah just the ability
0: to have so many lifeless and to have those armies i mean it's what allowed them any war
1: and what we fear going forward Will allow future conflict because Yes Steel has been working in secret to develop an even stronger version of Ichor alcohol. That is now, the
0: word on the street. Exactly, that Vasher has there. heard.
1: But Yes Steel is considered a master of lifeless commands and is also a fan of stealth.
0: He's known to be very sneaky, which is how he has been like in hiding for all of these years. Dasher has only heard recently that, well, he hears a rumor that he believes is about Yes Steel. He believes he has been recruited by a new tyrant in the Huth and Couth, uh kingdoms.
1: Which is super fun to say. And we should just do that as much as possible. <laughs> I think it's weird. It is incredibly weird.
0: And then, uh, yes, Steel also secretly learned how Vasher and Shashara created Nightblood. So he is another person who knows
1: that specific secret. That
0: specific, yeah, secret that has been very closely guarded. And per word of Brandon, if Vasher had not awakened Khaled's phantoms in Warbreaker, and if Lightsong had not saved the God King, Yestiel would have come to the aid of Idris and told them the secret of how to awaken steel and per Brandon quote the world would have burned end quote
1: which is always one of those things of like what was what did they even do what was the purpose of all of this here we have from Brandon himself he's just like they prevented the world like, from it would burning. have
0: been real bad
1: interesting that Yestiel would have taken such a Sides. But it is important to remember that these individuals, these five scholars have a long, long lives and their motivations are different mm-hmm. from any of just the standard characters that we know of.
0: And we don't hear a ton about Yes Deal in terms of like personality or personal convictions. In that way, he kind of reminds me of Ishar on Roshar, just kind of a hidden figure in another Country sort of like working behind the scenes for possibly something nefarious.
1: Let's go to the woman that is holding down the five scholars, the one that, in many respects, everything else circles around. And that is Shashara.
0: She was known as Glory Singer. That was her returned name. And she is also Denth's sister.
1: What is probably the most important thing about Shashara's. Purpose in Warbreaker or the history of Warbreaker is that it is her who publicly reveals the secret command that the five scholars had created to. Awaken lifeless with a single breath. Yes. And which this,
0: again, like, led to the many more, led to the ability of kingdoms to have these
1: huge armies of lifeless. And it's not something that she regrets doing. Like, she believed that that was the correct move, and she was further going to give more of the secrets away. She seems very much in the vein of. A black Widow in after the events of Captain America, Winter Soldier, where she's just like given out all of the different secrets of S.H.I.E.L.D., just like S.H.I.E.L.D. is bad. That kind of seems like Shashara's vibe. She's just addition to the world, all the stuff that the five scholars are inventing.
0: Yeah, she seems to have a philosophy that sort of scientific knowledge belongs to the people, maybe that they have some type of uh, You know, moral obligation to reveal their scientific findings to the world, which is questionable in many circumstances.
1: It's interesting because I'm wondering if it is more about the quote unquote morality or if it is a intellectual if it is done for intellectual reasons if it is yeah. something like she loves science and wants all knowledge to be spread and there to be no restrictions and she just has a, a little bit of that uh you know college-minded naivete that we all do of just like everything should be free man <laughs> or if she is somehow bound by a little bit of guilt in these creations where it's just like we shouldn't be do we shouldn't have oh, access she, like, to this much power she doesn't
0: trust them to be the exactly. only ones who know and so she's mm.
1: she's creating kind of like an exhaust for the maybe bad stuff that the five scholars are creating she's like throwing some of that back out uh to kind of just like push it off them a little bit
0: i actually want to give her a little bit of a harsher edge, because I do wonder how much of it is altruistic and how much of it is ego. Shashar was known to have sort of a competitive relationship with Yestiel in terms of scholarship. For example, she was sort of upset that he came up with Icor alcohol first. And so I wonder if her desire to spread to the world her research and her scientific discoveries is just a little bit of like, I want everyone to know that I'm the one who did it.
1: That's definitely the negative side of the equation. But I think also like a possible more realistic one where these even someone who may be devoted as a scholar or a scientist, they're not above ego like ego exactly. is not out of the question i at think all.
0: ego plays a huge part and in... certainly in our own world yeah, yes. yeah 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 i'm just saying of like human beings <laughs> of course shashara is also married to Vasher, and there is the tragic story of them working together to create Nightblood, and then uh shashara being killed by her husband for trying or wanting to reveal that secret to the world
1: And we don't actually ever see this specific scene. It's not shown in flashbacks. We don't get the moment or the breakdown play by play of what exactly happened. But we have to imagine that this husband and wife duo who spent who knows how many hours and personal bits of sacrifice that they gave up in order to create Nightblood, then being unwoven by that creation and then the question of like what do we do with it when during the mini war shishar uses nightblood on the field of battle yeah and that is the first time that it's like full powers are shown and where it sickens vasher and makes him want to you know hide everything away it kind of empowers or gives Shashar a lot of confidence in this idea of, no, we need to spread this knowledge. Like everyone needs access to sentient weapons like this.
0: Yeah, which is weird. And so it would be nice to see a little bit more like accurately what happens in those moments versus only hearing it hearsay through Vasher.
1: Through Vasher or through Dent, both of whom are very emotionally connected and (laughs) biased, very biased. But I, wonder- I also
0: think it's weird that Nightblood mentions that Shashara kind of had this maternal, like, optimistic view of Nightblood and thought that Nightblood could develop. And she said, be like a poet or a scholar, just like a human could be. So I don't know. I just feel like she has some questionable stances
1: I think that's absolutely accurate. And I think the fact that the fact that she was willing to die, assumingly knowing that she like couldn't beat Fasher in a fight and also assuming that he clearly spelled out what was going to happen or at least hinted what was going. To, he could have just stabbed her in the middle of the night. That's fine. But like, <laughs> I think that my imagination of the thing is, Hey, we have this difference of opinion and it's come to a breaking point. Of yeah, like, like if
0: you're going to do this, I will, I will kill do, you. Exactly.
1: And then she was like, "I'm going to do this," and then he killed her. Yeah, with Nightblood. Yeah, and so I feel person who is that connected to their ideology, whatever their ideology happens to be, is maybe not the most trustworthy person. Yeah. But I also think what we learn from Warbreaker is that we probably shouldn't trust any of these individuals and their retellings of what happened, whether that be Vasher or Denth or. Shashara. And hopefully we get more direct evidence of that actual moment and the decisions that were made by these five scholars.
0: I want to go on just a tiny little tangent here.
1: Take me away to tangent. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and talk about the image, vision that we see of Shashara holding Nightblood aloft during the Battle of Twilight Falls in the Many War that is had by Song when he sees that painting kind of towards the beginning of Warbreaker and sees this vision. And he doesn't necessarily know that it's Shashara and Nightblood, but we know that it is. And he is seeing something real. And I found this word of Brandon that I thought was very interesting. Quote, light song, having a touch of the divine is able to see and read into things that aren't necessarily there. Beyond that, Art is a magical thing in the world of Warbreaker. When an artist creates a work of art, part of the artist's soul ends up in the artwork. Someone who has many breaths and who has returned like Song, has the inherent ability to see into the art and perceive that. So Song can interpret correctly an abstract piece based on what the artist is trying to convey in a way that a normal person couldn't. As Lightsong has a splinter of divine nature inside him, he is able to interpret the paintings to foresee using them and to see into the soul of the person who made them, end quote.
1: An absolutely fascinating passage and gives greater light to the importance that people like Larimar Scoot and the other religious figures give to the returned because What Brandon is saying here is basically, yes, they are touched by the divine. They do have abilities that are beyond others. They're not just like pretty, you know, (sighs) immortal beings. Yeah, They actually have a godlike ability to see into the world what others cannot or to see what is part of the world where others cannot.
0: The religion gets it. Wrong. And this is a theme that we see a lot about there being a seed of truth mm-hmm. to a lot of like religions or superstitions or mythologies, but our like interpretations and structures around them being slightly wrong because the iridescent tones, the religion believes that the returned will predict the future from the paintings, which is not really true, right? He's seeing a vision of the past, which could be interpreted prophetically as like, you know, he's seeing a vision of battle because there is going to be another battle. But I think it's very interesting that he's able to like connect to the soul
1: of an artist. Yeah. And the fact that the artist, seemingly a non-returned normal artist, can through their artwork, through their creation, put some of their own soul into Mm -hmm. the work, which then the returned is able to form a connection to. That's the way I see it. Kind of, yeah. The painting acts as a medium or a bridge and the returned is the one who can pay the toll and pass across it and form that connection between the artist and the returned.
0: I'm also wondering if there's an aspect of the connection to endowment and then a connection to future site-ish Here, just because Brandon says the word to foresee, that, you know, this divine breath might be giving them some access to future sight in a very small way, sort of through this conduit. This also raised some questions for me about, okay, well, then what does that mean for Kaladin when Kaladin Mm -hmm. sees that painting in Celebrant and has kind of a similar experience of feeling like he's seeing something uh, beyond the physical in the painting. And there was a follow-up question about this asked to Brandon and he raffled it, unfortunately.
1: So I think while we should never pull out too much information from just a Raffo, I believe that something is going on with Kaladin and that painting that is akin to what is going on with the returned and the scene we see with Light Song. It's not and the like, same.
0: Yeah, why that would be the case is very unclear. What if it I is... I also wonder what the connection is between this situation and Shalon's ability to see not necessarily the future, but to see the present, to see into other places via her art.
1: Seemingly to see into the spirit Realm and to maybe understand the spirit of a person better than oh. they do themselves. Well, she
0: does that, but then she has also a couple of instances where she draws something that is happening currently somewhere else on Rashar.
1: That's what I think is uh, the same ability manifesting in two different ways, where it's like she looks at a person in the physical realm and then like sees through. The cognitive and spiritual and pulls out something about them that Mm -hmm. even they don't know about themselves, but something that is true. And another part of her ability may be to, you know, see a space a physical location and the events that are going on mm-hmm. in real time. Right. Uh, you know, what's that called? Astral projection? Is that the <sighs> concept? I don't I don't know if that's, that's exactly where, what I'm thinking about. But yeah,
0: like your spirit is sent to a different place.
1: Yeah, she kind of seems to like send, maybe very quickly send her spirit out, grab a <laughs> flash as she does her artistic flash of a different location and then is able to draw it.
0: I think it could be related to the surge that she shares with the Truth Watchers as the seers, this surge of illumination, which I think we've talked about before. But then I'm just curious about the relationship between that and this painting interpretation that Light Song does in which and we see the Shishara.
1: Kaladin seemingly does something similar. But Kaladin is not returned, so we wouldn't expect him to have that same ability. Right. Especially because part of what Brandon is saying is about the divine nature of Endowment's Breath Uh for the returned. What if a returned painter is able to do some of the things that Brandon's talking about there, where they can put themselves into the painting? On the reverse side, sort of. Kind of. Like they can uh, create for any viewer that is significantly, we'll say invested, a connection, it's like an open-ended one where light right. song is normally initiating the connection. Here, it's done into the painting and then just like shining beacon out there.
0: The only problem with that theory is that I'm pretty sure it's meant to be the same painting.
1: Is it really meant to be the exact same painting? Yes. Okay. I always thought that it was... I thought I'd looked up that it was a different painting, like with a lot of yellow and blue more than red.
0: I Well, I read a word of Brandon today that said he intended it to be the same painting, but he wasn't sure if he actually wrote it properly.
1: Interesting. Okay. (laughs) Fair enough. He was like, I
0: would have to go back and look at the descriptions, but I did intend them to be the same.
1: Okay. That's fine. We'll we'll say that they are the same because that's what Brandon said. My... Memory was that I'd already looked into this and like compare word by word. I'm like, these are not the same paintings. They cannot be.
0: (laughs) I remember that as well. But then I think we also have to make some allowance for like creative interpretation. And when you and I look at the same painting, we will see different things and even like not notice certain colors that are in the painting i've had that experience where someone will say like wow i really love the pink spots in that painting and like i haven't even seen the pink and i'm you know then have a moment of being like oh i didn't even realize i was there so it could just be that kaladin is noticing different aspects of the painting than light song was
1: an excellent interpretation artistic interpretation kids
0: okay Let's come back from our tangent and move on to Denth, or as he is sometimes known, Varatrelides,
1: which is a great name. I love Varatrelides. It's, it's got like too a long. it's got a sing uh. that I really appreciate. Varatrelides, and I find that fun. Denth is very blunt. It's just kind of it is. Denth.
0: It suits him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it does indeed suit him. We know that Denth is Shashar's brother, driven. To a revenging anger by her death, you know, hating Vasher, hating the situation that they seemingly, from his perspective, that like Vasher corrupted or influenced Shashara in negative ways. I mean, so, I think he's just mad
0: that she's dead.
1: <laughs>
0: absolutely, I think it's very clear cut of just like you killed my sister. You killed my sister. I'm very upset now. <laughs> My name is Vara Trelides. You killed my sister.
1: Prepare to die. That's exactly, but not cool, because I like that guy in, <laughs> in The Diego Princess Monto, Bride. Yeah. Yes, thank you. What is so interesting about Denth, other than the, of course, fantastic reveal in Warbreaker itself, which we've talked a lot about, but the way that Denth from the beginning is telling Vivenna not to trust them, that she can't go into this city or this situation with uh naivete he's so upfront about what is going on and the manner in which the gang itself is fooling her when you go back and reread it and i believe that some of that comes from, it's a cockiness that comes from living for a very long time like a mm. type of we're better than you and We've shown it by being around for 300 years, but just like he's very confident in his abilities, which includes his sword fighting. I would
0: describe it more as like a callousness, which also could come from being alive for so long. And especially if he has suffered, you know, traumas like losing his sister and his, you know, very tight knit group of friends, like a family being broken apart, et cetera, et cetera, that at some point you just kind of like go numb and stop caring about all of these insignificant ant people who are going to die in 50 years. And like you will continue living. Um, That is like more how I would characterize that for Denth. especially because uh, he seems to sort of fit in a interesting place within the five scholars, which I didn't really notice until I started taking notes for this episode, but it's, It seems like the other four are kind of big players who have big scientific discoveries and they've like done big things. They've traveled the Cosmere. They're, they seem significant in unique and individual ways. And then there's Denth.
1: (laughs) Who like seems there.
0: Yeah. It just, he doesn't seem to have any scientific discoveries. Like, it doesn't seem like he's really done anything important. He's kind of just there because he's Shashara's brother.
1: And... I just thought that was really interesting. Well, you got to have a journeyman. You got to have someone who can do a little bit of everything. You need someone to play second base. Denth is your man. You need a catcher. Denth can do that. Pinch hitter. Denth is your guy. I don't know
0: if he's a jack of all trades, though, or if he really is like just Shashara's brother, like the hanger on.
1: Well, he certainly is one of the five scholars. He is clearly in a class that he places himself of great swordsmen. And that takes some skill, you know, and practice and stuff. But I also agree with you that he is seemingly one note in his portrayal of just being motivated primarily by the the death of his sister and has kind of a single focused, clear mind. And Well,
0: and we just we hear more about everyone else's past again and like the great discoveries they've made. But no one ever mentions like, oh, yeah, back in the day, Denth discovered blank. (laughs) Like there is no mention at all. The one thing that I did find super interesting uh, about Denth when I was taking notes is that he is part of the Idrian royal lineage and he has the royal locks separate from being returned.
1: Yes. Upon his death, his hair goes white And Vasher.
0: Goes through a bunch of
1: different colors and and then it turns white. Yeah, and Vasher remarks on his and the Idrian royal locks. We were left with a lot of confusion at the end of Warbreaker about what exactly this means, because there is the assumption that Vasher leaves us with about the Idrian's. And the return seemingly having some shape-shifting potential that they have forgotten about, yeah. And this extending beyond just the royal locks that Vivenna has, mm-hmm. but also into the changes that Vasher was able to make to himself and the way that, like, he could look like the returned. You know, taller than yeah. average, glowing slightly, a beauty beyond belief, but he doesn't. And this concept that Denth, and therefore I assume Shishara, mm. but certainly Denth, yeah, is part of the Idrian lineage. He is like a.
0: So he is not only a returned, but he is also the descendant of a returned.
1: And importantly, he's in the lineage of royalty. To make it very distinct, he is one of the people that could have or should have assumed the throne mm-hmm. of idris he's not a random cousin of the royal family because they don't have the royal locks right the royal locks is not just a blood uh, uh passed down through any type of familial situation it is specific to those who are able to inherit the throne which is strange because it's Outside of the norm, it's it's something else other than just, like, two people get together, they have a kid, their kid has some of the same genetics, it gets passed down. It's not that.
0: Well, it kind of is. because It's a little bit that. all of the siblings, you know, Ciri, Vivena their sister, their brother, have the royal locks.
1: Because each of them is directly capable of assuming the throne. Yeah, I'm just but saying they it's had not, a cousin, like, just the heir. But if they had a cousin, their cousin would not have the royal locks. Right. And that is the unique thing, is that their blood would still be the same, but the for some reason, the Royal Locks know who is a potential ruler of Idris. And I find that very abnormal and unexplained currently. There's a lot we don't know about the Returned and the Idrians and Vivenna. I do
0: wonder what difference it would make to be both a Returned And the descendant of a returned. Like, does that give you any extra special powers?
1: We don't know. Yeah, to like the other five (laughs) scholars. He doesn't seem to be like. He seems to be the least special.
0: (laughs) Maybe he just has like middle child syndrome. And that's why he's so grumpy all the time.
1: He's definitely a little grump. But I think that some of it is justified. Uh, His sister was murdered.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, that can... By her husband, who was Jenth's
1: friend, whatever. Whatever. (laughs) Who then also killed his other best friend, R. (laughs) Steele, and turned him into a lifeless just so they could keep him around (laughs) a little bit longer. Like, the guy's just, like, (laughs) surrounded by a lot of sadness. And then you have the problem... He doesn't handle it well. Yeah, that's exactly the issue. It's like, oh, there's sadness everywhere. You got to handle your stuff a little bit better. Let's talk about,
0: of course, the one, the only Vasher, eh, a.k.a. Because. Warbreaker the Peaceful, a.k.a. Talaxan.
1: Talaxon is his birth name, right? Or is that his no. uh, His uh, sorry, Tal- birth well, return name?
0: T- no, his birth return name is Warbreaker the Peaceful. Talaxon is his five scholars name.
1: Which we don't necessarily think is his birth name.
0: I have a lot of questions about names. We'll get to that. Anyway, (laughs) in terms of Vasher, and we were just talking about the divine breath and the way that it allows them to change their shape. And I found this quote from Brandon, quote, the scraggly miscreant is how Vasher sees himself, not noble and returned, which is part of how he suppresses his divine breath. End quote.
1: It's always funny. This type of chicken or egg situation that we have in the Cosmere because the way that one sees themselves is part of then how they present to the outside world. Vasher always shown as like dirty, you know, wearing... Unkempt. Yes, just a scraggly beard and just always uh, one too many days past a good shower. But we now seemingly understand that that is done in part... In order to help him suppress his divineness, it's like an act, yeah, so but he can not blend an act in. Anymore. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's not that just like he's. I at least this is my interpretation. It's not that he is simply wearing a costume to blend in. Right. No,
0: he really sees himself that way,
1: and he has to see himself that way. And so then it becomes the thing that he is, and reinforces his belief in himself his negative belief in himself
0: I'm curious if it's always been that way though or if his perception of himself has changed since the events of the many war since killing Shashara etc cetera, etc cetera.
1: It definitely seems that of the five scholars vasher is the one who was most able to change and shift his opinions Mm, and his actions around and go from you know clearly one side of the equation all the way to the other where he's hiding out on rashar basically trying not to involve himself in the direct events that he both caused and was part of and was part of preventing again yeah Yeah. (laughs) so he's like really intertwined in nalthian history and probably what's going on in their present, though we don't have a good understanding of that because we don't have the sequel. I think that clearly Vasher's role in the Cosmere is highly important, and the scene that we've broken down a many a times from Rhythm of War with Kaladin explaining the different types of invested entities is the basis of a lot of our understanding about these five scholars the heralds, and any potential for someone like Thidakar. So Vasher is one of the key players, but in Warbreaker, his claim to fame was as a master of the use of biochromatic breaths to awaken things.
0: Yeah, that seems to be his specialty shashara and yes steel and R steel are all said to be sort of masters of like commands of inventing commands for different things and then obviously you've got the the i care core alcohol for the lifeless um shashara's biggest claim to fame is night blood and vasher did have a hand in that but it seems like of all of them he is sort of the most interested in the deeper philosophical questions of like Where is actually this power coming from? And like really getting to the heart of what investiture is and how investiture works, slightly less specific to awakening.
1: And this is what we see from Vasher in a single moment in Warbreaker that now, because of what happened to Hoyt at the end of Rhythm of War, we see with a new eye and a lot of importance, Vasher is able to... Manipulate the memories oh, right. of a small child in Warbreaker. And what you were just talking about, being more interested in the philosophy of where this power comes from and what it actually means to have a breath. And if that breath can be manipulated by oneself. Can it be manipulated by someone outside of oneself? Vasher seemingly does that to the young girl. But then what we see with Hoyd, who has somehow stored part of his memories in breaths, is that a significantly invested entity like a shard can change those memories, can adjust mm-hmm. those breaths in some way that change the memories. And this is... Where Vasher's interests, you know, become more of like a Cosmere question than just a warbreaker yeah. question of what is this power? That's a great question. And I think that Vasher, Vasher's style reminds me a little bit more of the original vessels who were searching for Adenalsium and eventually shattered Adenalsium, because of the the kind of focus on the broader impacts and the the deeper questions and, and kind of going straight to the source in a way that other people don't even think to like all of the other except for Denth all of the other five <laughs> scholars that we've talked about very clearly became like masters of the obvious you had people who awakened things and so Shar was like well i'm gonna awaken the thing that nobody else can awaken and you had the lifeless being developed to become more and more perfect through the use of i core alcohol and through the commands that allowed them to be more and more complicated. But Vasher seemingly went broad with his scope. And that is why, by the time we get to Rhythm of War, he's so philosophical in what he thinks he is, what he thinks... I mean, he has a very negative take on his situation. Yeah. And what I find interesting is that Brandon has stayed That, quote, Vasher has not accomplished what he was returned to do and hasn't really had the chance to do so, end quote. That fact, to me, is interesting, is that if all returned are sent back for a reason, and we think given a choice to come back, like the way we've talked about it before is that they die, endowment holds up a little bit of future sight and is like, you can go back and help with this circumstance. Do you want to? And someone either says yes or no. And if they say yes, then they mm-hmm. become a returned. So, Vasher, if everything else was the same, and maybe it wasn't, but if everything else was the same for Vasher, he was presented with that same question, said yes, and then for hundreds and hundreds of years as long as his life happens to be he hasn't had the opportunity to do that thing yet and so what is he waiting for
0: and we've talked a little bit about like maybe the original intent of the return was that they were supposed to do something more immediate Mm -hmm. you know which is why they only have naturally a one-week lifespan and they're sort of artificially being kept alive by the religion and then i had this thought of like well We know that Future Sight is not perfect, even for a shard. Mm -hmm. They see a range of possibilities. Or it
1: can be blocked from seeing certain possibilities, like Aronaren.
0: Yeah, like there's a lot more variables than just, this is going to happen in the future, and then Mm -hmm. this person is going to take this action in order to help with that thing. And so you would think that there would be the possibility that X event that you've come back for doesn't end up happening
1: and then you're just left out in the yonder just yeah and then i out. guess
0: like i mean naturally you die i guess you know after your one week lifetime if we're talking about this sort of artificial life being extended type thing naturally you would just die and be like well you know i came back to try to help but they didn't actually need my help And I just think that's so interesting because now you're ending up with these returned who then are just chilling. I mean, maybe he's waiting for the event, but like, maybe it already passed, or maybe it's just never going to happen because time has worked out differently.
1: That's certainly fair speculation. Like, I don't have any way to counter that or any type of qualm to throw up with that. But I... Do you think it's interesting that Brandon stated he hasn't really had the chance to do so as to me saying more that it hasn't come up yet rather than different possibilities passed him by and he just happened to miss them all. It's almost as if. No, but that's what I'm
0: saying. If like there was an event that was seen via future site
1: that doesn't end up coming to pass
0: then he wouldn't have the opportunity.
1: Yeah, exactly. He hasn't had the chance to do so. I wonder if there is a little bit of cultivation going on here. Like uh, Endowment has her normal thing that she does in the same way that Cultivation allows the Night Watcher to do their normal thing. But occasionally Cultivation steps in and is like, hey girl, I'm going to take this one because I have further plans for... You know, our Dalinar, our Lyft, our Taylor you think Bandit. there's
0: like a different power that's handing out breaths?
1: No, I don't think that there's a Nightwatcher. Oh. I think that maybe Endowment was trying to accomplish different things with these different returned where seemingly the norm, as you just pointed out, was like a one-week lifespan, and then that started to be extended by the religion. But Vasher has also... You know he's he's like a, the one weird returned that's going way further than all the others. Both the others who died after one week and the godly returned who were kept alive mm. unnaturally. Vasher's going way way beyond all of them, and maybe that was done purposefully. By endowment in the same way that a cultivation would step in and be like, actually, I need to push Dalinar in this specific path.
0: The only argument that I see for that is the weird fact that this particular group of five scholars, for some reason, has two different sets of siblings that for some reason remember that they're siblings there's That's never the only, been an explanation about this. Exactly. That's the only thing that like tickles my mind in terms of maybe endowment being uh, like maybe she didn't give them a choice, these particular people. Maybe she was just like, nope, you, I need you. You shall return and be special.
1: And then knowing that they are special, you know, gives them that incentive to go out and try to do all of the inventing or innovations that allows them to come up with all of these different magic systems. Like if you were told by God that you were special, then it's going to be a pretty big motivator for you. I mean,
0: see, this is the thing. And we don't have any answers to these questions. Theoretically, we will learn more about the five scholars and more about Nightblood and like all of the origins of these things in the Warbreaker sequel. But as of right now, I just have so many questions about how this came about. Like, were the iridescent tones and the religion the same as we see them in Warbreaker, where all of the returned gods are just lounging around, and then for some reason, just these five returned were like, I'm kind of bored. Let's do some science.
1: Or like, you know. Or were they Set aside or more to a, be a tool of the god or the shard. Yeah, like, was
0: the situation different? Like, maybe they were just living regularly. I don't like why did they choose scholarship? A, how did they find each other? Why are they siblings? And how did they remember that they were siblings? Like, is Vasher supposed to have a sibling? Why aren't there six? Now we come back to my problem with odd numbers.
1: Everything has to be even in the Cosmere. <laughs> where it throws off the so far balance that exists.
0: <gasps> yeah, like Vasher sticks out like a sore thumb because he doesn't have any relations in this group.
1: I mean, except for his wife. That's uh, the one pretty strong relation. But I understand what you're saying. He lacks that other pair that seemingly existed for the other scholars.
0: And then in terms of the siblings, did they return together? Like, did they die at the same time and then return at the same time? Or did they return at different times and then find each other and again remember somehow that they're siblings?
1: I think these are all good questions. I don't have answers to them. If you were hoping for answers, (laughs) you've come to the wrong place.
0: I have so many questions. Go to
1: ask more questions. (sighs) Yes, This time about everybody's favorite sentient sword, Mr. Nightblood.
0: Oh, yeah. I have a lot of questions about Nightblood, mostly stemming from this quote from the annotations. Quote, Nightblood is named for the smoke he leaks, and he originally had a different name when he was created. Vasher himself dubbed the sword Nightblood after he used it to kill the woman he loved. The blackness that leaks out is actually corrupted and consumed breaths, the ones that Nightblood leeches off of anyone who draws him. End quote. I have so many questions. Like, does this mean that Nightblood became corrupted when he was used to kill Shashara? Was he leaking smoke before
1: that? Was he leaking anything other than smoke before that? Right. Because he had 10,000 breaths. So like, is that enough to produce the smoke or is that only for his sentience? And is the smoke something else? Like the extra consumed breaths that he gets from-
0: Per Vasher, Nightblood is like a returned and that he must consume breaths in order to sustain himself- for Nightblood, that only applies when he is drawn. So when he is inside of his sheath, that is it's like, like a, a, a pause button. Yeah, 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 where he doesn't need to consume any breaths. But as soon as he is drawn, like a returned, he has to feed.
1: Oh my gosh, he's such a twisted corruption of what they did, and of course, why they did it is because they had world hopped, they had traveled right. to Rashar and seen a shard blade which we know is a reflection and a manipulation of an honor blade, which seemingly is probably another type of manipulation from an even more powerful weapon above that.
0: Yeah, I think it was just meant to reproduce the surges from Ashen.
1: The honor blades were. Right. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then the shard blades are the spren copying the honor blades that they see around. And then... The five scholars show up on Rashar and copy the Shard Blades to create Nightblood. Yeah. Nightblood has of course then been copied again to create Azure Blade. I don't know if well, it has another name. Yeah,
0: maybe not a copy, but just like Nightblood 2.0. Yeah, an
1: improvement. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's, you know, it's yeah. Little, not to copy in a detrimental way. Just like we took what was there and made it better. Maybe gave <gasps> it a slightly does, different command.
0: Then yeah, it's just unclear if if he wasn't Nightblood before, a what was his name before? B, if he's named after the smoke and he didn't used to be named after the smoke, then maybe the smoke is like a new thing. Again, that happened for some reason when Shashara was killed with Nightblood, maybe because Nightblood had a relationship with her or maybe because it was like against his directive. He didn't see her as evil and then destroyed her and it like messed up something about the way Nightblood sees himself.
1: Or it may have corrupted that command where now he cannot see the difference between good and evil, because if he saw the difference between good and evil, he would realize that he destroyed something good and that would break him in a way. Well, but he
0: does because like he knows that Vivenna is good. He knows that Lyft is good.
1: Yes. He knows that and recognizes that and calls that out. But is there anyone who is not affected by Nightblood? At all? Yes. Is there anybody that we know of who's not affected by Nightblood at all? I don't think so. I feel like everyone that we've seen so far has... I'm basically looking for the Vision, who famously is able to just casually pick up thor's hammer after Uh all of the heroes in the marvel universe like fail to
0: yeah you want to know who is nightblood inert
1: yes basically if anybody is nightblood inert i would define that thing as most good and all Hmm. of the other things as possibly corruptible because there is the other aspect of nightblood that not only can he like suck a lot of investiture in people's souls but he also just makes people angry and upset and more willing to fight when he is around them like he has well, like a, only if
0: he is drawn
1: only if he's drawn but or even just leaking right because that's the only thing that has to do is like if that smoke is leaking out yeah then someone will gravitate towards nightblood want to pick him up and then want to destroy evil with nightblood and i'm just questioning like can anybody resist that pull
0: well yeah the people for whom it makes them sick Vavana and Lyft.
1: Interesting questions to why. Like, wh- what is the connection between then Vavena and Lyft? And why not other characters that seem like I'd call other characters other than them good? I don't even know if I'd call someone like Vavena all good right now. I don't know enough about her. She wants to kill Vasher. That's kind of bad. But <laughs> I am interested in like, What is the thing that Nightblood is connecting to?
0: Yeah, I think that is like the whole crux of the Nightblood problem is that Vasher and Shashara quickly realize that the sword does not know how to determine good and evil. And like, that's a problem.
1: (laughs) And with what we are learning about the possible corruption and the smoke, I'm wondering if that was further weakened, if that was made worse by the killing of Shashara if it was someone who had a more maternal connection to him. And then you, yeah. you kill your mom. That's like that's a big thing. Yeah. And it might break your psyche a little bit. And then you can't really focus on the whole good and evil question because then you would realize that you yourself are evil. And you'd have to destroy hmm. yourself.
0: Yeah, that that's a good point. That does kind of wrap you up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's a tangled web that the nightblood weaves.
0: Speaking of names and having different names and being renamed, how do all of these five scholars have like regular names? Like we were talking about Vasher's returned name being Warbreaker the Peaceful, but then as a scholar, he goes by the name Talaxen. Obviously, he changes his name a few times after that as well. But even just the names that we're calling these people are steel, yes Steel, Shashara did they name themselves? After becoming returned and decided they didn't want to go by their returned names anymore, are they remembering the names that they were originally born with before they died and returned?
1: Because Vasher in Rhythm of War seems pretty clear that his memories were taken by endowment. Right. And that was done for a reason. But then
0: there are all these weird things about them where it's like they seem to be remembering... Some things.
1: And this is the question that maybe Vasher is tied up with personally. If he's able to manipulate memories in a normal Nalthinian girl, and he claims to be able, well, I mean, seemingly is able to manipulate a lot of his own physical presence. Mm -hmm. Someone like Hoyt is able to store memories in breath. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if Vasher came up with a way to push past whatever blocks endowment put up and he thinks he did a wrong thing that basically like he formed the but of all the
0: people it seems like he doesn't remember as much as the other five scholars do Uh, almost like he's the accident where endowment was like i'll return these two sets of siblings and they'll remember that they're siblings and remember their names and then there's
1: vasher no okay so what if it's vasher we don't know this for sure But hypothetically, what if Vasher's the first one and realizes the way to remember? Like Light Song, he was heavily motivated by wanting to remember his past. Okay. Maybe Vasher was similarly motivated, and that's the thing that he figured out, and that leads him down his slightly more philosophical leanings throughout all of the different parts we see. And then what he does with that is goes around and finds the other returned, who are siblings, and, like, unlocks— Their memory, and so that they are now more connected, and he sees that as a problem.
0: Maybe, but it's still too much of a coincidence that two siblings would both be
1: returned. I certainly think there's an endowment purpose for this that we don't know. Yeah. But I'm also just wondering if Vasher, once you introduce the idea of being able to manipulate other people's memories and your own memories, there's a lot of like. Yeah. Charles Xavier-esque problems that get brought up of just, like, you are very powerful now because you can warp everyone's reality, not in the physical reality in the way Thanos does, but in just the way of what you perceive to be real for you is real. So, like, if is able to create a loophole for these five scholars where they remember things that other Return don't, and then that allows them to be the five scholars— and then he realizes all the bad stuff that came from the different inventions and innovations of the five scholars, he like regret regrets that decision, he can then make himself forget the specific aspects that he wants to, in order to not go down those paths again.
0: It doesn't really seem to be the case. Because like you mentioned, he specifically comments that endowment takes their memories. Obviously, that wouldn't apply to what happens after he returns. But
1: Yeah, I I just think that like he said it almost like longingly as if he thought that that was a good thing in some ways. that her memory was taken.
0: That's specifically what he says. He's like, I guess that's why she does it because it makes it
1: better. It makes it better. And what he doesn't seem like he's better. He seems like he's worse as if he did something that endowment didn't want to do, maybe. And that's all just speculation because we got to have a lot of speculation here. Just to
0: give a date on when we might start to get some more answers about all of these questions, per the most recent State of the Sanderson, the Warbreaker sequel tentatively titled Nightblood and the Elantra sequel will not be worked on until after Stormlight Archive at the soonest. So 2024
1: maybe writing might start. And we say that But at the same time, Brandon secretly wrote four different books. I do
0: have to say I have a lot more um, optimism about our ability to get books like this. After this recent (laughs) announcement, I have renewed faith in Brandon's ability to write all of these books that we have been waiting for.
1: Okay, now I have a fun little game for you. And this is mainly just speculation. It's not, uh, not a hard thing. But if Vasher... Was one of the original five scholars and is out there recruiting for the next group of five scholars. Who would you draft on your Cosmere New Five Scholars? List
0: well, obviously you have to say like all of Silverlight. So Chris, duh, Chris is number one. I mean, one. she's basically refounded the Five Scholars, but bigger and better.
1: I think Chris is number one, and then Chris's obviously partner, Navani. Oh, interesting. You jump over to Navani right away. Yeah, duh. I am thinking, what's Chris's partner's name? Uh, Nas. Nas. Nas is number two for me. So like Chris and Nas, well, one and two. Well, I'm lumping five scholars.
0: all of Silverlight into Chris.
1: Oh, I think Nas is like on his own enough where he can be, mm. uh, he can be uh, his full, uh, he's the denth of the new five scholars. He's just there. I think you said Navani. That's an interesting call. She's clearly had a scholar. lot to deal with scholarship. I'm going to go with Shalon Shalash. Shalon is our new five scholar because of world hopping potential. I don't think Navani is ever going to hop off of Rashar. Shalon, I'm very hopeful. You just said hopeful. found
0: the five scholars. I'm saying we She would be the best scholar.
1: Okay, that's fair. You can draft your own. is own...
0: Shalon is a great pick. I, she obviously has a lot of scholarly interest.
1: So, Navani's on your team. Do you want Shalon as well? Because Yeah. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Uh, you have three scholars. I have three scholars. Who else are you picking for to round out your five? Marasi. Ooh, that's an excellent call. I like Morassi a lot as one of the five scholars interested in statistics and human populations. Exactly. Scholar. Great. 100%. Morassi is a wonderful call. A final one?
0: This one's a little bit more difficult. Ooh, Rayodin
1: raiden wow great call i like that a lot i think that maybe Renarin could be one of my five scholars Mm, yeah that's not a bad call and i have a tiny bit of hope this is out there definitely okay but i'm gonna round off my five scholars with marae's interested in the entirety of the Mm, cosmere yeah and really looking for all those different mysteries
0: that's a pretty good call as much as I Hate would Marais. not put Mraids on my team.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, for team unity, it's yeah. not going to work out. But he's just <laughs> Very like bad. my one off. I send him on specific <laughs> missions away from everybody else, but he's still on the team.
0: No, you can't send him away because he'll go rogue.
1: Oh, that's true. He's, no, yeah. He seems to operate pretty independently mm. and with a lot of focus still on what Thytokar wants. Mm. He's interestingly motivated to do what Thytokar asks. That's all I'm saying.
0: I think he only does that because it's in line with what he personally wants. The minute your interests diverge,
1: you've lost him. If there are anybody else that you would draft on your five scholar team from the Cosmere, let us know. You can reach us on all of the different social media, and you can also join us for extra special episodes on Patreon. Thanks so much for being here. Brooke, can you take us away? Until next time, life before death. Strength before
0: weakness. Journey before destination.